Lucy Harwood. Um, so I've done a little bit of digging around and I've discovered. Ricky Grove. Fog comes in on little cat feet. <laughs> Phil Rice. This is the best film that I've seen all year and maybe ever. Damien Valentine. Use the machinima, Luke. Hello and welcome to And Now for Something Completely Machinima, the podcast about machinima, virtual production, and related technologies. Um, I'm here with my co-hosts. Uh, my name is Phil Rice. I'm here with my co-hosts, Tracy Harwood, Ricky Hello. Grove, and Damian Valentine. Hello. Good to be with you guys again. Yeah. So uh, this week, uh, we're going we're gonna to kick off with a, a pick of mine. And I, I actually, I don't know if I would have if this would have caught my eye, if it weren't for, uh, for Ricky's, uh, let's call it obsession with Elden mm -hmm. Ring. Yeah. He's, he's been captivated by it, uh, for, I want to say a year now. Over a year. And, uh, yeah, over a year, uh, very engrossing game. And, uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of what we would call machinima from that game. Um, a lot of a lot of gameplay recordings, a lot of let's plays for sure. Um, but this is one that I guess technically really isn't isn't so much machinima either. But but who cares? Um, it's uh, called Elden Ring Monty Python. Is that what the actual title is? Let me pull it up here. Sorry. Monty, yeah, Monty Python. Python and the Elden Ring. <laughs> by uh, the Escapist. And normally we tend to, we, we like to focus our attention on, you know, independent creators, uh, people like us. The Escapist is not really that. They're, they're more of a, uh, you know, a, they're, they're more of a media organization um, that, that if, if I'm understanding it right, the main thing that they do is, is game, video game related content of, of different kinds, but they've got more budget and more staff and all that behind it. So I don't know who all was involved in the actual um production of this but essentially it's a blend of some live action footage from uh monty python and the holy grail with elden ring and uh i just found it pretty hysterical uh first of all the production values are very good and uh you know the the uh chroma keying that they they had to do the keying out of the, the, these live action characters over the elden ring footage um it's it's it doesn't get any better than this i mean it's just it's just perfect i i, I really admire that skill because i've tried to do stuff like that this isn't keying out characters over a solid background it's keying out characters over an actual background from a film made in when was this made the late 1970s i mean it's mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. Um, and they basically have woven together these these iconic and silly scenes from that Monty Python movie and woven it together with actions in the uh, that will be familiar to anyone who's played the Elden Ring game. And I just found it really well done. I think it's funny. Uh, it's definitely a nice tribute to uh, to you know anyone who's at all familiar with Monty Python is going to instantly recognize mm -hmm. where these clips were pulled from. 
And I think the same is true for the Elden Ring stuff, that that the the, the scenes and the the events that are shown there are ones that will be familiar too. And I thought they wove it together too, uh, really nicely. It's not too long, which is good, because this could have easily been overdone. Um, they kept it pretty short. It's about four and a half minutes, I want to say. Um, or, yeah, is that right? It's it's short. So uh, anyway, I really enjoyed it. It's 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 a little bit of a silly pick, uh, but what did you guys think? I liked it. Um, it is a little bit silly, but then again, that's what Monty Python is about: silly and weird humor. Um, the scene that uh, they're taking uh, Elden Ring from is the first boss in the game, Margaret the Fell, who is a a big blowhard and a and a he's just a very funny character. So the fact that they chose him uh, to to be there, the character that they're composite was very smart. It shows that they've played the game and they know it. Uh, but you're absolutely right about, about the compositing of it. The hardest thing in compositing to do is to match the lighting from one source to the next. And they did that just brilliantly uh, in the game. And they, it's smart. It's a, a funny. Um, I hope that they're going to be doing more bits from Elden Ring because Elden Ring has such a huge diversity of environments and characters. And it could really uh, use this treatment from uh, the, this sort of ironic and funny treatment. I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. It kind yeah. of reminded me of those um, similar videos where they put, um, I don't, I'm not familiar with the Office TV show that much, but they put him in Mass Effect. And then there's a similar one. I think it's Austin Powers in Mass Effect as well. Oh. And it kind of had, <laughs> it reminded <laughs> me of those, but I think this is actually done better because this is just the right length. It's not too long, so it gets annoying. It's not too short that you don't get the joke. Yeah. They've got it just right. And they've done the composting, as you've already um, said, so well that it just works perfectly together and obviously they can't change the lighting on the original um live action footage because obviously that was something they had no involvement with at all and normally when you're compositing for your own film you at least get an idea of where you want the lights to be so they had right. to work with what was already there and of course late 70s video quality isn't going to be as great as you get from modern technology so right i know right i'd expect it would have been pretty washed out compared to the yeah, higher yeah. contrast of the game yeah yeah so... you, there are some there are tweaks you can do in compositing in terms of color and also you can change the lighting a bit by adding a light in compositing um <laughs> and then changing the contrast so there are tweaks you can do to to make it and i suspect they did a little of that yeah in order to make it but one of the things that just really impressed me was their matching of action hmm. so that when the Elden Ring character boss swung to hit them, yeah. they composited them in just the right way. So it looks like that they were being attacked or, or responding to him. Yeah, that was absolutely. Fun. And that scene when that scene, when uh, the, you know, the knight from Monty Python is running up the stairs, he's, he's yeah. charged in and he stabs a guy here and slashes a guy there. <laughs> And they got the reactions just right. I'm not sure exactly how they did that because you don't see any any sign of the player character in Elden yes. Ring. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly how they did that. It's very clever and very uh, clever. It, it yeah. Some nice immersion, I thought. Yeah. 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 That's why I hope that they keep doing it because there's so many interesting places in Elden Ring that they could have fun with. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too, and I could piece it from the 
technical side of it, putting those two videos together of the game, and uh, of course, just the, the humor of it. It works so well on both levels. So excellent choice. Yeah, my my comments are very similar, actually. But actually, what I will say is um, it's a collaboration with a guy called Eli Handel B.Wav. Um, sure. Uh, yeah. And if you look at this guy's channel, Eli Handel B's channel, this is his um, opus, what do you call it? This is the way he works. Mag Magnum opus, or no, well, this is no, his. Uh, uh, you know, the way he operates, basically. Okay. His MO. Yeah. MO Modus vivendi, yes, his MO. Or, or, yeah, whatever. I, can, I forget the words. It's one of those days. Um, and basically what he does is he integrates movie characters into the video games. And from what I understand, he's primarily using After Effects, something called Mocha Pro. And Mocha Pro. Mocha yeah. Pro and Adobe Premiere. Yeah. Um, and if you have a look on this guy's channel, he's done one, which is hilarious, of John Wick in Resident Evil. <laughs> and another I'm one. I need to watch that. Yeah. And another one of Borat in Resident Evil, which is also absolutely <laughs> Very hilarious. Good. Very good. Um, but like you guys said, I, I thought that this, the way that he, that he did the storytelling and selected <clears> the <throat> scenes to put them into Elden Ring was just absolutely brilliant uh and because of because of the interaction but i did spot on the stairs there was one bit where the character was stabbing something there was nothing there that was being stabbed that i could see so there was a bit of a a blip but other than that i thought it was brilliantly well done god knows how long it takes to do these things because I, I bet it takes a while but i don't I know when, when you get your compositing skills up it's just the same process it's just you have to adjust it for the particular scene. It is it isn't easy, that's for sure. But once you know what you're doing, it it, it you can go faster. Well, to that point, super ironically, I was going to share this with you guys. So anyway, um, I found this week a, a how to on Twitter, and it, and I know this guy won't necessarily have used AI to do this, but this is an AI process with with largely from what I understand free tools, including um, Adobe's Express, through which you can remove backgrounds, uh, um, images, uh, you know, you can, you, you can remove the background and then put anything AI generated into the background of this image and literally do it in about five steps. It takes wow. effectively about 10 minutes to do it. From what hmm. I understand, or what this guy's done, it's not film or animation as such, but it's 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 brilliant the way he's done it. Um, and I will share that with you. The guy that's um, done the how-to is, is a chap called um, Guy Parsons. Uh, but it's it's really, it looks it looks great. It's got loads of um, likes on it and people are just sort of posting stuff up. All Excellent. doing a similar kind of thing. So I imagine this isn't that difficult to do, particularly with new AI tools. But here's a question for you before we kind of move on. Monty Python, wasn't that some of the inspiration for the name of our podcast? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. We, yeah. We were, Phil and I were kicking around stuff and it just came to me from Monty Python because I enjoy, I, I rewatch episodes and uh, from that series all the time. So Actually, in the, in the early days of the podcast, Tracy, uh, when Ricky and I were batting around the idea and we landed on this as the title, which when Ricky said it, I was like, yes, that's it. And so Ricky had this idea where let's, let's try and put together some scenes because in Monty Python, when they say, and now for something completely different, it's John Cleese 
in this dark suit sitting at a desk typically but a lot of times they would place him in an unusual place like at one point it looks like the the desk is sitting in the middle of a, a moving stream of water like <laughs> in the middle, outdoors <laughs> and so his idea was let's let's for the promo for the podcast let's try and put some of those together but it, it just ended up being more trouble than it was worth i think yeah, we never did yeah. end up pursuing yeah. those because it's too bad just, that would have been fun yeah yeah well, I think that's also super ironically because what season are we now in? Fourth season. We're in our fourth season. My God, we've been doing yeah. this yeah. for how many years? We twenty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have officially. Well, it's a lot more than four. That's what I was going to say. We've been talking to each other for donkeys' years. It yeah. seems like yeah. a lifetime. Yeah. Well, this show has officially lasted longer than the original series of Star Trek, so we're doing well. <laughs> That's brilliant. We've topped Star Trek. I'm very proud of us all. Really happy. And you know what? The best thing about it all is that the shows and the experience have just gotten better and better. Completely agree, actually. I agree. Yeah. I enjoy coming here, chatting with you guys, and seeing what films you've chosen every month. Oh, yeah. yeah. Completely exceeded my expectations because... As we started, I was sort of grouchily saying that I thought that there wasn't much machinima out there. Boy, was I wrong. I, yeah, big time you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. In fact, there's so many much machinima. We On the board, we use a, a sort of creation board for all of us to put our ideas and picks and everything. Tracy usually has four or five extra films that says, well, if you guys hadn't found one yet, here's some you can choose. So for all of the ones that we pick, there's probably six or seven that are Being that are helpful that we could have we could have chosen as well. Yeah, and some of them I roll over to the next month, but mostly I put them on the blog. So there's a yeah. there's a stack load of films if you're ever you know short of content to watch where I where I put them up on the blog. And sometimes yeah. you know they really do. You know we really should talk about them because some of them are just so good, but. Yeah. We just don't have space to talk about all the things that we're finding. Yeah, well, the the podcast would be too long. But we are going to have a special 100th episode, which I think falls on October 20th, in which we'll be sharing our our thoughts about the podcast and reminiscing yeah. and um, highlighting things in a general discussion. But Phil, you've got some other things for us this month, haven't you? This month? Yeah, I thought we'd just take a, a couple moments to touch on some some items. Uh, the game Starfield has launched to great acclaim. Big acclaim, yep. yeah. My background. It's, yeah, it's certainly not, uh, you know, it's not a perfect game, but none of them are when they first come out. Um, but if you've seen any of the footage from this game, it's just gorgeous. Um just just amazing environments and animations and and settings it's it's just so much detail uh really hats off to Bethesda games for uh i mean this this one's a a real winner yep and i think it's and one too that we ought to keep an eye on for machinima i think it's very well poised to be like the next big machinima engine i I think cool. on the level of like a grand theft auto kind of thing because wow. um let me see i checked over at nexus mods which is a place where you know they have mods for gta and red dead redemption and, and you know all these different uh games that people make machinima in 
And one week after the game was released, there were 1,000 mods wow. already <laughs> at Nexus Mods. And now, mind is... you, there are little tweaks to the UE and, and stuff like that, but still, some of them are modifying the way that the game behaves and all of that, and it's only a matter of time before somebody right. uh, puts together some kind of a free cam mod. Otis INF, probably. That's really, yeah, that's going to really break things wide open. And yeah. it's it's one of those game worlds, like Red Dead Redemption, like Grand Theft Auto, that is so expansive that it it really gets people's imaginations going in terms of, you know, side stories and and other you know not just fan fiction but also just it's an inspirational game environment is what the feedback yeah. is. Yep. So I I think that that's a, a really fertile ground there that we should keep an eye on. Yep. This is keep our the, eyes open. Yeah, this is without the mod tools that they've. They're going to release um, early next year, uh, which is going to allow modders to bring in their own content with the actual tools that they use to build the game. Wow. Yeah. And if um, they deliver on that, that's going to be just enormous. Yeah. And if anyone's already thinking about wanting to try it now, um, one of the options built into the game, if you go into the options and an interface, you can, there's a, um, a slider to turn the interface transparency. If you set it down to zero, the entire um, HUD. Uh, it disappears so you don't have wow. to worry about the health bar or anything else um being in in your shot you can just turn it off and then it's easy to turn it back on again when you you know when you want to play the game again that's very smart very smart i've always wanted to have a a slider for transparency for controls because they're sometimes they are distracting in some games well yeah, I and then there's the there's mods to change the size of those controls as well so for, wow. for gameplay purposes there's tons of mods already and then, yeah, for, for Machinima, there's stuff like that that's starting to creep into, uh, uh, well, that's some of it's built right into the game. Just somebody was thinking about those things for fantastic, nice screenshots or video capture, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's going to be some some neat stuff to keep an eye on there. Yeah. Um, go ahead, well, I was, well, I was just going to say, what I, I've been following the, the release of it. So it was released 6th of September, as I understand it thousand planets to explore only 10 percent of which have life on it but i'll tell you what impressed me that this this you know that gorgeous scenery and then then, then the motion blur bit did you did you notice all of that when they were mm -hmm. the ships was moving yeah. i thought that was stunning stunning level of detail and then the other thing that i picked up on was that um todd howard the i think he's the games director was basically uh comparing it um to red dead uh, and and saying that what what they were really after was trying to sort of develop a role playing game that can kind of compare to Red Dead Redemption. Wow! Which, which I think, Very looking, smart. At, looking what is what's going on is um, <clears throat> probably <clears throat> achieved that. And then of course all the the hoopla around the the modding. It's as as I can I can sort of sit here and say it. It seems to be being badged as a modder's paradise. Uh, and that's not just for, um, you know, doing bits and pieces in the game, but also uh, a strategy that they seem to have in the background of it for um, releasing expansion packs and specials and, and what have you. So it looks like it's a really interesting game that's that's being added to the arsenal for a lot of machinima creators here, I think. That's great. Well, I think, you know, adding modding tools extends the life of the game. Mm because it allows people to customize the game in ways that they um, hadn't intended or imagined. 
And that's smart, smart business. On very that part. smart. Yeah, yeah, very smart on Bethesda's part for sure. It's work for Skyrim. It's over ten years old now, and it's still just maybe not quite as popular as when it launched, but it's still very popular now. People just play it regularly. Oh yeah, and the modern community is a very healthy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of smart decisions, <laughs> let's talk about what Unity uh, <laughs> did oh. this month. Yeah. So if you haven't heard, uh, Unity made some very surprising and drastic changes to the way that its licensing and monetization works. Uh, not, not well embraced <laughs> by uh, people who work in Unity. Um, it, it was a debacle. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Now, they have since, after... I want to say a couple weeks went by at the most of just absolute chaos. I mean, people saying this is the last thing I'm going to develop in Unity and independent developers fleeing. Uh, They have walked those back. And in fact, they walked them back, I think, more than anybody expected they would. Like it, it was actually a very good move on their part. But was it too late? I don't know. The problem with it is it it actually well it damaged the reputation not just of them but it it's created some suspicion now of gee can we really trust and rely on unreal engine to not you know epic to not do the same thing at some point and uh a lot of people are looking at the the i think it's pronounced godo engine g o d o t yeah um which does not is not built out in the same way as Unity yet, but that's because, you know, a lot of the build out of of Unity was was not Unity; it was its users. Uh, you know, expanding the documentation and add-ons and things like that. So, and a lot of people have really, you know, it, it's it's there's going to be some fallout from this. There already has been, I think, and uh, it's it's a shame to see because uh, Unity was. I mean, it was right up there with Epic and Unreal Engine in terms of it's it's a platform, not so much for machinima. I'm sure that there's some machinima stuff being done, but mainly it was attractive to game developers for both 2D and 3D games. Yeah, yeah. For years, they've built up all this goodwill. And now that's kind of been put in jeopardy a little bit. We'll have to kind of see how things things shake down. There's an awful lot of games that, you probably enjoy on on steam and other places that were built with unity yeah and yeah. uh it's it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it they're going to have a hard time overcoming this because there's been a slow decline of interest in um, that application partially due to the rise of unreal uh becoming so incredible and free you know yes um and developers flocking to it for virtual reality and all of that. So there was a decline and then this event happens, which hurts them very much. I have a feeling they'll overcome it, but they won't be the same as they were before. And since they were in decline before, it's going to be iffy for them. Uh, I look to see them possibly being sold in the near future. Mm, That's really interesting. That is interesting. I mean, um, I was following this, obviously, of course. I I could not believe what they did. But what made me smile was on my LinkedIn feed, I saw 
uh, unreal people, quite senior people, sharing, <laughs> sharing links to consultancies who were saying that they would they have set up teams of folks to help people convert them from Unity to Unreal. I mean, if that isn't rubbing wow. salt into the <laughs> wound, I just I thought, should you really be sharing that? But they were. So they were obviously making hay, so to speak, yeah. whilst the uh, sun was shining in the other direction. But actually, yeah. I um, I saw the Q&A um, video, which I put on the Milan note so you could have a look at it, um, with uh, with with. Um, Jason Wyman was interviewing Mark Whitten, who's, I think he's the general manager. Um, I have to say, it's probably one of the most cringeworthy interviews I've seen oh, for oh, oh. really quite a long time. Yeah, I actually wonder how long this guy's going to stay in post. But probably worse than that is um, the CEO's, um, <laughs> you know, what's been going on in the background there. Because apparently he sold a number of shares uh, just a few weeks before their original announcement. And yeah. even though, you know, there's some obvious explanations Man. about that happened, it's got loads of tongues oh, wagging. I didn't know that. That's yes. terrible. No, yeah, well, you see, a lot of this sort of stuff happens in an automatic way, and they don't necessarily have any say over when shares get sold and whatnot. So it's not perhaps the story. But it's going to raise some eyebrows for sure with the SEC and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Eyebrows conspiracy theories um and it's that sort of behavior really that spooked the market so there's That's now too bad yeah there's a lot of questions about whether this guy is actually a credible lead for the company um yeah. that's why i'm suggesting that the company might be sold well yeah yeah well and because the other thing is you i don't think unity will ever recover its position on the back of this and one of the reasons why it will never now catch up the ground that it might have had for um you know um you know closing the gap a little bit between them and and um unreal is the fact that it just doesn't have a fortnight which basically funds a lot of what unreal does because it's you know just one True. of the most phenomenally successful True. games and of course they've no strategy for putting anything like that in place right, uh, right. so so i definitely think they're now you know they were they well, they've dropped the ball big time, I think. Yeah. Well, Autodesk and Adobe are in the acquisitive mood mm. right now. So there's a chance that they, if they can fit it into their family of games, our family of uh, ass assets, it, it might work in that way. But they're, that's really bad. I'm really sorry to hear that because Unity is excellent. Mm. It's always been excellent. And uh, it's gotten better because of the user base. But if the user base starts to leave or is upset with them, they're in real trouble. Yeah. 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 I even wonder if Apple might buy it for acquisition simply That's because so much of their app store games are, you know, they were built on Unity. That's who yeah. was probably the largest user base affected by this is developers who are selling yeah. their games on the app store. Um, so yeah, if, uh, if Unity must be having some financial strain to even have considered a a move like this i mean that's although i think what it, it is across business in general though i think there's been a trend towards finding ways to boost profits um i mean now there's a uh, my uh partner my wife was telling me that airline travel has become impossible uh for the general fare because they have made it so difficult so hard and they they literally have made it 
harder so people will pay the extra to get into the express lines wow yeah <laughs> and i think that's the case with other businesses who are working out netflix i think is working on some way where if you pay extra you get no ads or something like that but i think there are people sitting around trying to figure out ways to make extra money in the economic climate but i've always thought that that was a bit bogus because sometimes the economic climate is not as bad as they think it is they're, they're sort of buying into the 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 mood the general mood and the uh, the general ideas about what's going on with the economy whereas two years down the line you find out that they've had the biggest profits in the history of their company mm. <laughs> right yeah you know well there's a big difference between nudge and push away and i, I yeah. suspect um unity has crossed that line yeah i agree well listen i have a short little bit i'd like to share with you i uh wanted to upgrade my uh graphics card uh, because it was starting to sputter a little bit it would uh, go out and of course when you're playing elden ring you can't uh you can't have that so i did some research and i came up with the amd 7800 xt it's a sub 500 um graphics card it's really strong and very powerful and i and i usually do due diligence on this to check to make sure everything works it's a very large card um my uh computer uh case is very large and roomy so i knew it would fit so i went ahead and bought it um and brought it home and started to install it put it in um with my original system that i hand built a couple years ago and it wouldn't work it wouldn't come on and so i did some checking and i realized it's the battery or the power source the power source for the amds is twice that of the nvidia uh, gpus which is one wow. of the downsides i have a 550 watt power source in my computer and it wouldn't work with that so i had to go get in my car drive and get a 1000 watt power source put that in plugged it in and bingo it just went right on but i have to say this card is absolutely massive compared to my previous amd card which i i had in there which was like a, a two-year-old card it's like half the size it is so tight you you barely have room to slip it in there <laughs> and for some reason they put the power connectors on top of the the uh, uh graphics card huh. instead of on the side which means that the clearance that you have with the side of your case is like a quarter of an inch so trying to work in that space was very very difficult but after about three hours of hair pulling everything works fine and it's gorgeous it's a great great card updated drivers beautiful no problems whatsoever but the lesson to be learned is to make sure you check essential things like power supply how much does your new card draw because universally any new card is going to have is for the most part is going to draw more power um and i didn't do that so i had to scramble and or and pay an extra so the card was like 449 and it cost me 150 for the power supply so i ended up paying more because of the power supply but that's just a little 
fun bit that I thought you guys might want to be interested in, especially you, Phil. Well, I mean, yeah, they make uh, they make power supplies uh, um, 750, 850, and then a thousand as well. And uh, so, yeah, if you if you end up not needing quite as much as the thousand, there's other options too. But 150 is a good price for a thousand watt card or a power supply, Ricky. That's that's a yeah. good price. Yeah. I think that basically means also that you can actually play Starfield because looking at the uh, description, doesn't that need an AMD? Uh, it works fine on a um, NVIDIA card, but they, they've done something to you get a little bit of a bonus if you're using an AMD card. Yeah, some game companies connect up with GPU manufacturers <clears throat> to offer a little bit of extra, but it's not never a significant boost. Yeah, that's, that's my experience as well. And that um but Thursday actually announced that they're going to add the uh, extra support for the uh, nvidia cards uh, in an upcoming patch because it's been so uh, highly requested so mm. interesting yeah there's a big user base for those rtx cards for sure yeah there's already a mod that does it as well so oh wow <laughs> it, i think day two of it someone has figured out a mod to add the uh, nvidia support <laughs> all right last thing i'll mention today is uh over the Labor Day weekend, uh, I, I caught word of this kind of accidentally on Twitter, but there was a Sims Machinima and Animation Convention. Now, it's an all, all online thing, just like uh, it reminded me a lot of the expo, Ricky. It was a three-day wow. event. They had uh, interviews and guest speakers, and it was all hosted live streaming on youtube and those videos are now archived on their channel and it's all you know sims 4 uh creators and i gotta tell you i was blown away by you know there were probably i want to say the peak audience looked like it was about 100 to 150 people when it was peaked out um but the the variety and uh, uh quality of work being done by this sizable group of filmmakers that i'd never heard of and it was fun it was just it was fantastic now mind you the the this is a, a significantly younger crowd than me <laughs> you know these are uh i i think uh late teenagers and early 20s mostly filmmakers uh -huh. and so the uh you know the, it's the the content a lot of a lot of the content seems to be emulating shows that would appeal to that to that younger demographic um so you know shows like um oh what's the one on netflix it's not roswell it's rose rose something rosewood i i don't remember what it's called but it basically is kind of a for lack of a better word and i don't say this in a denigrating way but kind of a teen soap opera uh -huh. type thing for nighttime tv right um dawson's creek you know that flavor if you're familiar with any of that right um, a lot of the a lot of the plot lines and settings are i mean they're geared towards younger people which is that makes a lot of sense um but the the you know the the quality and the passion that these people have for what they're making the the attention to detail um, and they're all amateur creators, just like people in our audience. Um, it was it was really something. And, and there was there was a number of films and creators that they would show 
trailers for or clips from and i thought wow you know this is this is quite good you know a lot of the you know when we've talked some about sims machinima in the past it's it's when there's a very amateurish film made with it they don't cut around the weaknesses of the animations and the little quirks and stuff that, that are particularly cartoony or jumpy and these are people who have mastered that so they're oh, using wow. a lot of custom content. There's a whole community around these filmmakers that just create custom content, wow. clothing and hairstyles and actual Sims themselves. And they're using all of this stuff in their production. So they don't look like something that you could make with the Sims 4 out of the box. A lot of the mods and the, the content packs, but particularly custom content, heavily used. And they are quick to credit the creators of those things there were several times during the interviews where they would mention a particular character and then they would be sure to mention the custom content creator that was involved with that. I just, I found that I, I was just massive respect for that. Really, really a neat little community that they've gotten. They're very serious about what they're doing. And at the closing of the third day, I, I missed the first day, but I, I attended both the second and third day. And at the closing of the third day, they were already planning for doing it again next year. Oh, that's great. So the, uh, that's, we, sh- that's we should that do special coverage that helps. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we should. Absolutely. We should do some coverage yeah. of that and yeah. find out more about the community. Cause that sounds great. Yeah, it does. And you know what, when I was so, looking at the link that you, you shared with us, Phil, this is the, um, I think it's the second year they've done it and it's taken it months for them to put it together. I think they started promoting it in about February. So <laughs> Gee, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of work has gone into this. I think I think a that's... lot of work. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the interviews and segments were pre-produced. Yeah, yeah, which was very smart. You remember that we came to a point in the expo where the first year we tried to do everything live, and there was just so many points of failure that when we strategized, how can we make this a little smoother? Well, let's pre-produce this and that, and so. It was a mix of live and pre-produced stuff. Very smart. And the fact that they've gotten to that point on only their second year is, is really yeah. impressive. Absolutely. So, yeah. The only and then thing streaming would... on YouTube was a great was a great idea. You know, it, it's, it it's... definitely is. But the only thing I would say to them after the fact, after you know, now it's sort of up there as an archive, is to go back and put in some timestamps um, so that you can kind of find what the panels are because just trying to figure it all out. They'll know what the times are, but... Yeah, hopefully they're doing that. They'll go back and put in those chapter markers yeah, that are helpful in yeah. YouTube. Right. I would definitely and frankly, another smart that. thing would be to extract particular interviews and post them as separate videos that are just just that interview. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully they're they're going to have time to do something like that because that would that would help help greatly. You know, it's it's a long show. It was Three several days. hours each day. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great news, Phil. Anyway, Thanks it was a neat, a neat thing to find. Again, it was just one of those things that. I don't know if I happened to be searching for Sims 4 related machinima on Twitter and the algorithm just popped that up right in front of me from someone I I don't I didn't follow at the time and had never heard of and caught word of it just in time. So, yeah, and I'm I'm very pleased. Uh, I I was glad to uh be a part of that. I participated a little bit in the chat and uh you know, of course Nobody there knew that I was some old guy lurking that probably would have creeped them out, but <laughs> they were very friendly and welcoming, even though I'm not anybody that they know. So it was it was a neat experience and just it was nice to stumble upon uh, a very tight knit 
yet not closed off community that's dedicated to the same stuff we love. So um, it was, it was I, neat to see. So yeah, we'll make sure. I find it that. ironic that you are participating with chat with people who didn't know that you created probably the single most important Sims machinima <laughs> ever <laughs> made. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Irony, isn't it? <laughs> and I did, I did not mention that either. I felt like that that's really why you're so special, Phil. Make me a boomer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey everybody! I, I'm kind of important. I'm kind of a big deal. I don't know if you know. <laughs> Do a Ron Burgundy on it, you know? Right, I'm right. kind of a big deal. <laughs> well, yeah. thanks, no, Phil. That's well, great. Quite frankly, the production value of every single clip that they showed, I would have been embarrassed to bring up Melrose Dramatic on, on that bar. Honestly, is so much better. Yeah. So yeah, great stuff. All right, so yeah. that'll wrap up this episode. Uh, thanks for joining us. And be sure to give us some feedback, comments or uh, emails or, you know, through our website. We'd love to hear from you about how we're doing. Yep. And have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.